So finally, I got it in May mm-hmm. and drive the almost uh, one half months now. It, it's phenomenal. It's not only the price, right? If you compare the cost, you know, to Tesla Model 3, right? Uh, it's much cheaper, but the driving experience is much better than the Tesla. So the Chinese have really done a very good job of giving the ecosystem as well as the manufacturers the cost advantages and time to develop. Whereas in, in Europe, you don't see anything near that kind of uh, comprehensive uh, environment. So I think the Chinese advantage has been time in manufacturing, as well as the amount of subsidies that they've received over the years. I think this is going to be a very, very painful issue for them to work through. Because on the one hand, of course, you know, China's creating, delivering cost-effective, desirable, environmentally sustainable vehicles. But it's also a shock to important sectors of the industrial economy in Europe. It's certainly possible that uh, some in Europe will see national security implications to this. So I think we have to see. This is, I think, going to be uh, a very fraught issue in the next few years. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tuying. Joining our discussion on whether China's electric vehicle manufacturers will become the next target of Western encirclement are Andy Ma, a senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, Minghua Xiao, chair professor and director of the Energy Institute, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, and William Lee, chief economist at the U.S.-based Milken Institute. Welcome to the show. Actually, Andy and William are currently in the States, so let me begin with um, William and Andy. So American automakers have been wary of the influence of China-made electric vehicles, despite the fact that the latter haven't entered the American market yet. Leading American automaker Ford Motors executive chairman Bill Ford has said, the United States is not ready yet to compete with China in the production of uh, electric vehicles. Well, the company also sees the Chinese automakers as its main competitors, not GM or Toyota, saying China is going to be the EV powerhouse. So, William, how accurate is this statement? What's your interpretation of these words? Actually, I think it's very accurate. In fact, it's probably an understatement. China is way out ahead in um, production of uh, electric vehicles. Uh, it's been doing so with a uh, huge amount of government subsidies since 2009. Um, and, and even today, as much as the Europeans have tried to also produce electric vehicles, I think they are nowhere near the frontier where uh, the Chinese manufacturers are. So, so I think it's a very, very uh, uh, accurate statement to say that the U.S. manufacturers are way behind uh, not only China, but also the Europeans, uh, except for one company, which is Tesla. And Tesla is, has got the unique, uh, I think, characteristic that mm. it is not only an American company, but it produces its best vehicles in China in the most efficient factory uh, that it has, which is located in Shanghai. So so I, I'm not sh- sure whether they call Tesla an American company or a, or a Chinese hybrid. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Tesla is an American company. But aside from uh, Tesla, other Chinese-made EVs haven't made any foray into the U.S. market yet, right? So, Andy, do you agree with William? I do. You know, I think for a couple of reasons. So, first of all, American companies, especially the legacy uh, automakers like Ford, General Motors, really have to benchmark themselves against the best in the world. 
And for EVs, uh, the best in the world, again, uh, we can put Tesla aside for now, but the best in the world are uh, the companies from China. So I think that does make a lot of sense. The other reason why I think this makes sense is that um, while the, uh, the American auto market is very large, China's mm. is the largest by far. And the global market is actually what really matters. So I think that uh, Bill Ford is absolutely right to say this. And I would add to what William just said, uh, what people say about Apple is that, is Apple an American company that manufactures in China? Or is it a Chinese company that designs in the United States? And I think we could apply that same formulation to Tesla as well. But uh, to my knowledge, if, if Chinese brands want to enter the U.S. market, uh, they'll have to pay a like a, some 27.5% tariff. And besides, batteries and electric vehicles that are not produced in, in North America are not eligible for you know, the, the 7,500 U.S. dollar tax deduction rate. So, um, Minhua, from your perspective, was Ford trying to make a mountain out of a molehill? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, first of all, you know, I, uh, Bill Ford is actually was my former boss. Right? All right. <laughs> Interesting. I, I worked in Ford before in 2013. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this uh, company, uh, by the way. Okay. So, I think, it's, uh, you know, Bill Ford's uh, statement, I think, is accurate. I call it with Vinia and uh, Andy. So, Currently, as you said, that uh, U.S. Uh, you know does not allow the battery that uh, manufactured outside of the state, right? Uh, in the in the EVs. So mm. I think one of the uh, strategy of Chinese uh, you know car makers is that try to produce the battery in state by collaborating with the U.S. government, right? They try to get into the you know uh, U.S.'s uh, you know, EV market is mm. one of the way to sneak in first, right? Mm. Uh, instead of the whole EV, right? You know, uh, into the market. I mean, the you know the key pro I think the technology in an EV is the battery. So whether you actually need uh, uh, the um, you know manufacturing point of view or the technology point of view, you need to have a, a good a good a good battery. So basically, right. so that's 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 why I'm thinking that uh, you know currently U.S. Uh, you know try to prevent uh, the Chinese uh, automotive uh, manufacturer uh, going to U.S. But uh, you know, like a BYD, at the same time, it's a battery manufacturer, right? So if BYD can go into U.S. market by uh, establishing a battery factory there, I think uh, gradually they will be there. Mm. So we'll talk a little bit more about whether the U.S. will succeed or can succeed in, uh, you know, as you said, preventing uh, Chinese EV makers from entering the U.S. market. But for now, how big a share have Chinese EV market uh, makers actually taken in various markets, such as in Europe and uh, beyond? Um, I mean, how do you have any idea? Yeah, so far, I think the share is still uh, not that significant. As far as I know, like, like uh, in Europe, it's still about only 5%. And uh, I think uh, the uh, prediction is that maybe by 2025, uh, the number will increase to like maybe 10. But uh, still, if you look at uh, the, the number, right, it's still mm -hmm. small. So I think uh, there's still big room for Chinese EV manufacturer to go into Europe at least. For other area, uh, maybe South uh, East Asia, and I don't have data. Maybe Andy or Vinia can uh, comment. If I could add something here, sure, uh, I ahead, think Andy please. really hit it on the head when he said 
it's the global market. And um, we should not gauge um, success of Chinese versus American manufacturers versus European manufacturers as to their share uh, going into other countries, but rather the car manufacturers right now are at the stage where they're really trying to ramp up production and try to get some economies of scale and lower the average cost of production. So for each manufacturer, uh, whether it's BYD, which kind of has a, a big mix of cars, uh, or NIO and, and Xpeng, which are more specialized in a higher performance uh, type electric vehicles, mm. each company, I think, has a strategy to try to ramp up production uh, in its own domestic market to try to get the economy of scale first. And then uh, with a lower cost basis, uh, go into other markets in light of all the tariffs that they'll face in the EU and US and, and China and vice versa. And, and so I think um, the strategy right now and the important thing to look at right now is the extent to which each company is able to ramp up volume in its production and also innovate production to lower costs. And that's mm. uh, Tesla is a good example of its gigafactory and its big you know, presses to try to stamp out uh, cars in one step where it would take other manufacturers many different steps to, to produce. And the Europeans have followed a very different strategy of using their, their existing technology and adapting it to an electric vehicle. And the Japanese are, have just given up the market altogether. So I think each manufacturer's got his own strategy and we should evaluate the success of BYD, NIO, and, and Tesla, and Mercedes, or Volkswagen, according to that kind of strategy of being able to successfully ramp up and lower costs. Yeah, as an economist or a strategist, uh, you're saying we should look at the global market as a whole. Yes, uh, I agree, but uh, not necessarily everybody would agree with that, um, you know, especially when there is some um, you know, trade protectionism with some countries. But um, William or Andy, do you have any figures of, uh, of the, the general picture of how if you will, dominant the Chinese um, EVs are on the global market in each region or market. Andy? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now, but I do remember seeing that uh, China overall, uh, I believe, uh, is leading the entire global market in terms of a number of electric vehicles. So not total number of vehicles, including internal combustion engine vehicles, mm. uh, but China is leading. And William, um, I don't know if you, you have more detailed data to support that. No, I, well, you're right that the, the, in terms of electric vehicles produced, China uh, leads the pack. And the China market itself is the largest electric vehicle market in the world, which is why I said it's not entry into the foreign markets that's the key to success right now, but rather the getting the production costs down. And trade has the trade issue has really not been brought up, even in the United States, about importing uh, foreign electric vehicles. I don't think there's any consumer revolt or government barrier to having Mercedes, Volkswagen, or if you know BYD come in, mm. uh, except that BYD and is China is itself not part of a trade agreement with the U.S., which would allow it favorable tariff status. Right. So, but, so it's not so like cars per se, but just the fact that China is not in a trade pact right. the way a lot of the other countries are. Yeah, but it's a different uh, scenario in uh, Europe. According to the German Statistics Office, um, you know, the market share of electric cars shipped to Germany from China more than tripled to just above uh, 28% in the first quarter of this year. The figure was less than 8% a year before. So no wonder uh, the German media are saying that, um, you know, China's making an offensive in, in the EV market in Europe. So I'm wondering, what is the competitive edge of Chinese EVs, especially when, when compared with their uh, European counterparts? So, uh, William? 
Well, I think the, the advantage Chinese uh, manufacturers have had is that they've had a long period of time to develop the product. And they've had a, a huge amount of government subsidies to do that. Uh, as I said earlier, I think the, the government provided in 2009 the equivalent of 60,000 uh, yuan for consumers and another uh, tax breaks equivalent to another uh, three or 4,000 US dollars. Uh, those subsidies have tapered off uh, over the years. Mm. But the, at the beginning of the electric uh, production, and as these manufacturers learned how to produce in volume, uh, they were given a lot of help by, by supporting, uh, by giving them the, some cost advantages. In the Europe, uh, they also subsidized the manufacturers, but to less extent. And now in the United States, we finally got around to providing some subsidies for the production of electric, but it's small compared to what the, the Chinese did and it's just starting right now. And the Chinese also have a huge infrastructure set up so that charging stations, or if you go for the NEO model, they've got a whole system of swapping batteries. So, so the Chinese have really done a very good job of giving the ecosystem as well as the manufacturers the cost advantages and time to develop. Whereas in, in Europe, you don't see anything near that kind of uh, comprehensive uh, environment. So I think the Chinese advantage has been time in manufacturing, as well as the amount of subsidies that they've received over the years. Mm. I mean, how you were saying uh, batteries were one advantage. Anything else? Yeah, I think uh, uh, in, in addition to that, I think uh, one of the uh, advantage in China is uh, the, the supply chain, right? So basically, you can get uh, everything in, in China mm. uh, around the, the you know the areas and those. Your parts, components, actually high quality right. and uh, low price than, you know, importing from the foreign countries. So that's, I think, uh, you know, uh, is a big, uh, big uh, advantage to Chinese uh, uh, EV manufacturers. In addition to battery technology, right, I think uh, technology now, uh, certainly China is leading. And I don't worry too much about losing the position because if you look at uh, those leading companies, they have thousands of these uh, researchers and top researchers, PhD students, engineers, and uh, they actually, you know, working very hard. They are not working only eight hours a day. Actually, you're talking about the 14 hours a day to mm -hmm. actually uh, uh, make a new battery technology. So I, I think uh, uh, this will be the the battle of the technology about uh, you know next generation of battery technologies. Yeah, but uh, when, when everybody is saying that Chinese uh, EVs are enjoying advantages, a report from the automotive market research company, uh, JATO Dynamics, and along with uh, automotive site uh, MotorOne.com, found the Tesla Model Y was the number one selling vehicle globally in the first quarter of the year, marking the first time an EV was the top selling vehicle. So, Andy, when we are, you know, saying... The competitive edge of Chinese-made EVs, does it mainly refer to Chinese-made Tesla uh, models? No, I don't think so. So I'd like to add a little bit to what Ming Hao and William said. Sure. I think, first of all, if we look at the, the transportation sector, I guess I could say consumer transportation sector, uh, from a macro perspective, with internal combustion engines, countries like the United States, like Germany, have had decades, uh, maybe even a hundred years, yeah. uh, to develop and optimize what is a very, very complex supply chain. And I think this is one of the reasons that China, uh, you know, hasn't had uh, a huge success in, you know, with any uh, internal combustion engine vehicles, just because, again, the legacy advantages are incredibly difficult to overcome. But when we look at EVs, uh, electric vehicles, the manufacturing process is radically different from internal combustion engine vehicles. Mm. And this manufacturing uh, supply chain or value chain is actually closer to consumer electronics, uh, which is a sector that China has had decades of experience honing. 
So I think this plays to uh, China's strengths in addition to what William and Ming Hao talked about. Mm. The other thing, too, to point out is that one of the really exciting areas of uh, electric vehicles in China and therefore globally is just how innovative companies are in designing new features. And this is a large degree because of just how ferociously competitive and how fast moving the Chinese consumer market is. So I think that these are some of the strengths that China brings to the table. Now, when you talk about Tesla, you know, Tesla, of course, was the pioneer. And at the time, I mean, this may seem like a long time ago, uh, but people actually thought that it would be impossible for Elon Musk to build these kinds of vehicles at scale, at competitive prices. And he did do this, confounding many of the skeptics. So I think that uh, Tesla has a very valuable first mover advantage built a brand. But the vehicle market, again, is very, very broad. Just as we look at internal combustion engine vehicles, we have minivans for moms with young children. Mm. We have Ferrari sports cars. We have pickup trucks. So similarly, it seems hard to imagine that any one company can dominate this very large and diverse market. So, yes, I agree. Tesla is a phenomenal success story, partly due to China, partly due to Elon Musk's vision Mm. of seeing the value of partnering with China strategically. But at the same time, I do think that the Chinese EV industry is rapidly, if not already, becoming a global pace setter, as you mentioned in the very beginning with Bill Ford's comments. You're listening to The Chat Lounge. We'll be back after the break. D-Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chat Lounge, and we're discussing whether China's electric vehicle manufacturers will become the next target of Western encirclement. Andy, did you ever anticipate the current situation? I mean, um, Chinese EV manufacturers tried to break into the European market with low-priced cars in 2005, but failed. And as William just said, things began to change in 2009. But people still clearly remember Elon Musk mocking BYD in uh, 2011 in an interview with a Bloomberg reporter saying the Chinese EV maker um, didn't have a great product. So what just happened during the past um, 11 or 12 years? How have Chinese uh, EV makers transformed from a laughingstock, if you will, to a valued competitor of uh, European automakers. You've already mentioned a lot of factors, but which is the most uh, vital one or the most decisive one? Well, I don't know there is one, uh, but I have to say, no, I wasn't really that surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, when you think about the dynamics of this industry, um, as Ming Hao mentioned, batteries are crucial. And we have companies like CATL, uh, that you know, some people call the Huawei of the of the battery world, in that they invest such a high percentage of revenue in R and D, uh, and truly are a technology company. Uh, you know, not just in China but globally, uh, respected for their technology. But we also have to remember that uh, electric EVs are also consumer products, albeit very expensive consumer products. Mm. But then they depend on branding. They depend on distribution. And here, again, uh, I think because of just how ferociously competitive 
the Chinese domestic market is that, you know, the, the joke I sometimes use to tell foreign friends about this is that, you know, China is like a planet with double the gravity. So it's much harder to do anything. And once, but if you can survive there, you develop the muscles and the reflexes to make you very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. So when you go to another planet with normal gravity, you can jump higher, run faster, be stronger. Um, and I think this is exactly what happened. Uh, of course, government played a crucial role, not just with the subsidies, but you know all kinds of policy support, including uh, charging stations. Mm -hmm. So this could not have happened. Uh, without coordinated top-down government support. Uh, but that's not the only factor. Again, as I mentioned, the ferocious domestic market, um, I think the execution ability, the operational execution ability of Chinese companies, not just with technology, but the ability to manufacture, distribute, build brands, differentiate on features. I mean, look at Xiaomi, right, as an example, that this really is a combination of factors. And you know, and has many uh, auto companies around the world worried, and, and perhaps rightly so. Right, a very interesting comparison by uh, Jim Lover. And uh, to uh, William, when do you see, you know, uh, as the turning point? Uh, a turning point for the for, Chinese manufacturers yes, or the global uh, market? For Chinese uh, EV makers becoming globally competitive. Oh, I actually, I, I um, my own prediction is that um, the different company strategies still have to be worked out. Uh, as I said, BYD seems to be a manufacturer of cars for everybody, minivans, SUVs, and 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 long, and long they are trying to hit that affordable price range. They're kind of like the Chevrolet or General Motors of, of China, whereas Neo and, and Xpeng are, are trying to get into the more high performance and luxury car market, which would make uh, Mercedes and, and, and other companies, even Tesla, mm. a bit nervous about their innovations. So I think the turning point is going to be where each company starts to hit that sweet spot in being able to produce cost effectively in terms of having scale. And Andy was, I think, um, was very right to point out how the manufacturing of electric vehicles differs from that of just a, a traditional uh, internal combustion engine. Mm. And that Tesla's success is recognizing that very early on. But Tesla's weakness and strategic weakness that the Chinese companies are taking advantage of is that Tesla, Elon Musk is, was, was like Henry Ford, the original Henry Ford, right. where he's, you can have any color you want as long as it's black, <laughs> right? You can have, you know, he, he only has a few, you know, model, you know, model X, model S, model Y, model three and all that kind of stuff. But he has yet to produce the Cybertruck, which mm. is the key to dominance in the U.S. market. Without a truck, you're nowhere. And his delays in creating the autonomous drive has made it uh, less and less uh, likely that it will dominate that autonomous driving market with its technology. So the weaknesses of Elon Musk has been performance, which the Chinese companies have really capitalized on. They've been more successful in bringing out really uh, relatively good quality for the price cars, um, but also stacked with features that Elon Musk has promised and will be delivering, you know, maybe two or three years from now, putting it on the market today. Mm. So so I think that the Chinese manufacturers are already at close to that inflection point of overtaking uh, a lot of the market share of luxury car makers and performance car makers and specialty car makers like 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 Tesla. So so I think the Chinese market, the manufacturers are almost there in terms of the Chinese market. Mm. Now, the key is to be able to export that into the European market 
and also the uh, the the African and, and Asian markets in general. And that's where it's going to be a question of setting up the ecosystem that's needed for electric vehicles, which is Ed mentioned, the key component of which are charging stations. Right. Because as much as uh, I appreciate what Mihao has said about the development of the technological development of batteries, the you know range anxiety, right? The anxiety of not being able of running out of electricity in the middle of nowhere and not being able to charge your car, unlike gasoline engines where you just go down to walk to a gas station, bring back a can of gasoline and mm. be able to drive. You can't do that with an electric vehicle. You have to have that infrastructure to charge. And the ability to go into other markets will be the ability to convince other governments to set up that infrastructure. And so the Chinese, I think, are, are sort of not in that game yet. Each country, that's why I said, each country is going to have to develop its own infrastructure and policies for, for this vehicle. But you know, the U.S. has barely started uh, to think about that. And I don't think there's much of that in other parts of Asia and, and Africa. William, you're saying that the, the turning point hasn't come yet, right? But uh, well, I'm saying it's it's there for the for the Chinese market. I think the Chinese manufacturers have already reached that that sweet spot mm. uh, for its own domestic market. But being able to ship abroad is a whole different matter. And as I said, the key is infrastructure, and that just isn't there in many of the countries that it would like to export to. Right, but some people would say uh, 2022 last year maybe the turning point, especially when you consider BYD's uh, sales overtaking mm-hmm. Tesla and some other. Chinese、um, EV brands like Xpeng or Neo entering the European market last year. So, Minghao, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's quite difficult to, to define a certain turning point, right? And right.、Uh, certainly, so I think the turning point,、uh, you know, based on a lot of、uh, you know foundations like、uh, technology innovation, and I think not only the technology, but also for because for a product like the EV, we're talking about.、Uh, Interior design, exterior design,、mm. and、uh, also uh, any high technology actually integrate、uh, in the vehicle. So that's not、uh, only happening one day. I think、uh, this is、uh, actually the whole business sector in China. Actually, I take a long time to actually gradually reach, you know, achieve that target, right?、Mm. So it's not only one day. But、uh, certainly, I think uh, uh, if I want to make a judgment,、uh, you know, whether the ten point has been here or not, I think、uh, we、uh, we are at the right moment、uh, to see this happening. But I, I don't know whether it's just the right turning point or not. All right. So going back a little bit to the, you know, the reasons for Chinese、uh, EV makers enjoying some advantages here.、Uh, Andy, you you just mentioned、um, those、uh, legacy automakers and compare them with the、uh, the new EV makers. What you just said remind me of this、um, analysis. They ascribe the fast growing advantages of, of China's EVs to. Chinese EV makers copying products from other countries or technology transfer demanded of、uh, foreign automakers、um, when they form joint venture with their Chinese counterparts. So, how valid is this reason? Sure. Well, actually, before I answer that, I want to add a little bit to what we were just talking about about this question of turning points.、Mm. Um, I think there's two levels to understand this. So, one is within the EV market segment. And I think that、uh, Chinese companies are in a very, very strong position.、Right. Uh, there's no question about that. But the speed at which EVs will become dominant or even completely displace internal combustion engines is an entirely different question.、Yeah. And as William said, depends a lot on every national government, because without charge, without、uh, ubiquitous charging infrastructure, you know, you have these problems. You know, consumer anxiety. Uh, Etc. So this is a question that is very difficult to answer,、um, and we have to look at it at a country by country basis. So, you know, if you're talking about a turning point, you know, in terms of the EV sector as a whole, not sure we're there yet. 
globally, mm. but certainly within the EV segment, um, I think we have passed a turning point or a milestone where collectively the Chinese companies are really in a very, very strong position. So if we look back at history, you know, with reform and opening, uh, this was a very savvy strategy, I think, that uh, the Chinese government followed, which was that, you know, if you want market access, you have to teach us, right? Mm. Transfer your technology, train our people, our workers, our managers. We have uh, to learn. To, yeah. And, you know, that was a, it's a very, very savvy thing to do. And, you know, we see that now happening with China on the other side of that in places like Ethiopia, uh, where, you know, they've been very savvy saying, look, if you want to build a factory here, you have to invest in training for our employees. We don't just want to be stuck at the bottom of the value chain. So uh, I think, you know, of course, sometimes this is phrased as criticism mm. of China. You know, I see that maybe as maybe sour grapes. And, you know, of course, as a business, you always want to maximize your profits and eliminate competition. So these companies, whether they're uh, foreign automakers or other companies in other industries, they recognized how valuable the China market is and they struck that deal. So what I do, I think, disagree with is that this criticism that somehow this is underhanded or unfair. What we have to remember is these were deals struck on commercial terms. Mm. And these companies are some of the most sophisticated companies in the world. And they agreed to this. So uh, that would be kind of the way I would look at that. Right. William, what's your take? Well, I, in terms of uh, technology transfer, I would think that right now most of the world's car manufacturers are looking to steal some secrets from China, uh, or at least <laughs> Tesla. Uh, and and I so so I think it might really go the other way around. Um, the Mercedes uh, and and uh, Volkswagen have not been successful in lowering the costs of their electric vehicles as much as Tesla has in 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 its Shanghai plant. And the reason why, according to some of the engineering analysis I've read, is because the the um, traditional manufacturers have insisted on building a car the way they've always built a car. And the electric vehicles are a very different kind of, of commodity. Uh, and the, the production processes are very different. And Tesla has managed to find a way of manufacturing and lowering costs in China, which it has now copied all of its other gigafactories in Berlin and, and even bringing it back to Austin. So in, in many ways, uh, I think the global manufacturers are now looking to steal some secrets from BYD and NEO uh, in terms of how they're manufacturing. And, and, and as far as the real secrets are concerned, um, everyone is trying to figure out a better way to make batteries. And, and as Andy said, the electric vehicle uh, battery production, research and development is really dominated by China and, and to some extent uh, Korea and, and, and Japan. Right. Uh, when talking about Japan, uh, William, some, some people argue uh, Japan's you know, wrong bet on hydrogen cars also contributed to the Chinese success in grabbing a greater share in the EV market. How do you see it? Yeah, hydrogen has been sort of this uh, this, this uh, long sought after miracle uh, product mm. uh, that was supposed to do everything in terms of producing electricity and, and, and it has just never panned out. But I think Toyota has now recognized the need to enter this market, but insists that the way of doing it is through a hybrid market because it is so good at hybrids. So I think the Japanese are, are going to stay with a strategy of milking as much as they can out of that internal combustion engine. And, and they're smart to do that because Japan doesn't have that electric infrastructure that China has mm. uh, to be able to have plug-ins and, and to be able to charge cars. So as long as the world is still in that state where we don't have that charging station infrastructure, they will continue to be very successful. But I think China is betting on 
being able to um, have enough battery advances to lower the need for charging and also to develop charging stations domestically to the point where the manufacturer, you know, I, I think that China is now clearly the de facto standard setter for EV production. Everyone is trying to make, make their cars at least as good as the Chinese cars, which is uh, quite a statement to say compared to other, other sectors. So I think that Japan right now has given up the fight in terms of this electric vehicle market and has insisted on a slightly different legacy strategy and one that will la they think will last long enough to allow them to catch up. You all mentioned um, um, a lot about the, the quality or uh, the technology uh, advantages um, some Chinese uh, EV makers have. But um, one factor I think um, haven't touched upon that much um, is the pricing of uh, Chinese made uh, EVs. Is it still you know, one major factor that um, has contributed to the popularity or, if you will, the dominance of uh, Chinese EVs on, um, you know, either the Chinese market or increasingly on the European market. Are they still, you know, synonymous with being cheap? Andy? I don't think this is uh, really as big a factor. Right. Um, because, again, we have to look at this market and it's incredibly diverse. So there's certainly is a market for low cost vehicles. And here, you know, again, historically, China has played well in the space. Um, but we also have to understand that sometimes people will pay for quality or other features and pay a premium. So, you know, Volvo once was known, you know, was staked out a position in the market for safety and people would pay a premium for that and actually wanted to pay more for safety. We look at um, BMW, Mercedes, Porsche, Maserati, etc., uh, that some of these would be considered what are called Veblen goods or, you know, what economists would call Veblen goods, meaning that the high price is actually a feature and people want to pay more rather than pay less because it's a status symbol. So I don't think that this would be any different for the EV market. I also want to go back to this point about uh, hydrogen. Um, it's interesting here that we definitely should look at technologies, but it's not necessarily the best technology that always wins. It's the one that gets the most support. So to show how old I am, you know, once upon a time, it was beta versus VHS, right? In the videotape era, decades right. ago. Mm. and it's the, the standard or the technology or the platform that gets the most users, the most support, you know, either through better advertising, government support, whatever, wins. That being said, I do think we should keep our eyes open and scan the horizon for other technologies. I actually prefer the term NEV or new energy vehicle versus just electric vehicle or EV. Mm. Uh, and that hydrogen, of course, is one. You know, some people, including Sam Altman of uh, OpenAI from ChatGPT, <laughs> believe that fusion is closer than many people think. I, I'm someone that follows and analyzes technologies. Uh, I think that it's something worth keeping an eye on. Right. Meanwhile, you're now in Hong Kong. I, I, I'm not sure if you've been to this uh, Auto Shanghai this year and seen the, the booths of BYD and some other Chinese EV makers surrounded by executives of uh, foreign automakers examining Chinese models, um, such as uh, BYD's um, premium all-road SUV U8, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in the, I was not in the show, but uh, actually I'm currently driving a BYD. So ah, right. <laughs> so, so actually, uh, this is a model called the A23 in, uh, in, in Hong Kong, Yuan Plus, right? Actually, I have waited for this uh, vehicle for a long time. Uh, the leading time, leading time, I think, is more than half a year. <laughs> so finally, I got it in May mm -hmm. and I drive it almost uh, one and a half months now. 
it is phenomenal. I think uh, it's, uh, it's not only the price, right? If you compare the cost, you know, to Tesla 3, mm. Model 3, right? Uh, it's much cheaper, but the driving experience of the BYD is much better than the Tesla one. Uh, I think it's not not only the the, the cost, <laughs> the price of the vehicle, even though it's cheaper already cheaper. Right, you're, what yeah. kind of experience were you talking about? Like, a, yeah, I think it's uh, you know the handling and uh, the in interior design. So uh, the Tesla, the BYD now is much better than the the earlier generation. So I think that's uh, you know I, I'm not uh, surprised why BYD now is so popular. So I think uh, previously maybe people saw that you know, BYD probably they're not really the car maker, right? They're just making battery and the car is just a free, right? Mm. But now it's totally different. So they have every every pieces of this high tech uh, technologies in integrated in their vehicle, and they actually hired you know I think an Italian firm to design their their vehicle. So it's a very very uh, eye catching and the handling uh, experience. It's, uh, it's a way better than Tesla model, mm. model I think Model 3, yeah. That's yeah, the, right. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I saw this U8, uh, it's capable of a 360 degree tank turns and, and crab walking and floating <laughs> on water uh, and also speeding at uh, 120 kilometers per hour, even if its tires are blown out. And I, I was totally fascinated by this car and uh, I really wanted that. But would this kind of premium car just for you know exhibition um, you know, at the auto shows, or would it be accepted by European consumers? It's kind of like almost one million. Yeah, close to one million right? MMB, yeah. Right. So do you see that a, a you know, Chinese um, EVs taking the higher end of other markets in the coming future? I, I would think uh, the market is there. You know, it's a luxury vehicle, and BYD already built their reputation on the safety, right? I think, uh, you know, if was you know, people talking about uh, the high-end uh, luxury vehicle, the safety, I think, uh, is a concern, especially for from a Chinese manufacturer, right? So, I, I think uh, BYD already made their reputation. So, I don't, I don't uh, have a, a big concern on mm. that. Right. Uh, what about uh, William and Andy? I uh, well, actually, I think the the smart thing to do for a lot of the electric manufacturers in China would be to do some joint ventures. Uh, BYD is is already gone into joint ventures with um, uh, Toyota for right. battery production, but Daimler, you know, Mercedes for car production. Mm. And I think, uh, as I said, the Europeans, I think, are going to try to steal as much as they can from the Chinese manufacturer. If they can't steal it, they'll put their name on a Chinese product and call it a, a mixed production, right? A, a Denza or something. So I think the the strategy that that a lot of the um, older manufacturers who cannot themselves develop the, the technology will be to try to do joint ventures and joint production with uh, Chinese manufacturers like Mercedes mm. and, and, and BYD. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Uh, Minghao just mentioned the safety issue as a you know key element for Chinese EV makers to take into consideration. Any other factors that Chinese EV makers have to pay more attention to in order to you know keep their I would say leading position in this area, Andy? Well, you know one thing that I find very striking is just the exuberance uh, of the Chinese EV sector. Mm. So, you know, when we think about this as a technology, it's really just a battery on an automotive chassis, right? right. Um, but what many of these Chinese companies have done is just incredibly imaginative. Um, you know, I've seen, and again, we have to think about what this means. So without a big engine, now you have a lot more space you can play with. 
So I've seen vehicles with massage chairs, you know, with karaoke. Um, so what we're seeing is just an incredible exuberance and creativity and inventiveness. And I agree with William here that um, what this means is we may not only see joint ventures as one way to overcome uh, protectionism. So, you know, what a lot of these companies like BYD, Xpeng are doing is they're setting up manufacturing assembly in different countries like Poland, et cetera, mm. to access the, the European market. And who knows, we may see that in the U.S. as well one day. Um, but that this actually opens the door to uh, partnerships with other leading companies that are not in the automotive space, right? I mean, who knows, Ralph Lauren, right? Uh, <laughs> a, a sporting goods company, you know, in the NBA, right? In that you can create these incredibly inventive things that no one's done before because you're creating a, a, essentially a new platform. Mm. So I think there's well, that. Well, if, if we're going to, Andy, if we're going to go into um, uh, vaporware and fantasy world, the one place where I think the biggest uh, value uh, package is would be autonomous driving. And that's what Tesla has been trying to develop, not so successfully yet. Uh, but if we were able to have true autonomous driving, which requires the integration of AI with the uh, electric manufacturing, that would be the big breakthrough that would allow you know, huge amounts of um, profit opportunities for whoever's able to do this and whatever technology is successful, whether it's LiDAR or Tesla's photo approach. Um, but the key to that is information. And then Tesla's already uh, discovered that China is very uh, aware that um, the value of AI is in the data collected and it has required, for example, Tesla, while it's driving around, picking up data and mapping roads, that all of the data for China stays in China. Uh, and that it cannot be used in, in other parts of the Tesla universe in California or in Europe. Mm -hmm. So I think I think those are the that is where I think the biggest uh, breakthrough is going to be in terms of changing the way we live uh, is if autonomous driving is integrated with this electric vehicle. Right. You know, you're right, William. Well, I wouldn't call it fantasy, but here's something I think we can think about that is a much bigger question than just EVs, um, is that on autonomous driving, if we look back at the history of the internal combustion engine vehicle. At that time, there were terrible accidents, uh, engines oh, yeah. blowing up, cars going out of control, plowing into crowds, killing and maiming people. Um, and you had to have that kind of developmental period in order for the safe IC vehicles we have today. And one of the questions, I think, is that in a social media world where, you know, if there's one person killed, it's headlines around the world, can we cross that chasm? Because every new technology is going to result in accidents. Will we get there is, is a question that, you know, I'm you know, kind of watching um, because. Yeah, yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. And I, in here in the United States, the biggest obstacle to uh, developing autonomous driving is going to be the insurance uh, industry because they don't want to pay off on accidents that are caused by some computer that you can't attribute blame to. So I think social policy has got to step in here to try to somehow set some rules of the game so that we can have insurance uh, and at the same time, development of autonomous driving. Mm, but, uh, you know, Europe or China doesn't or uh, doesn't have that uh, problem, right? You've talked a lot about uh, corporate strategies being a very important um, issue. William just mentioned about this AI technology integrated into EVs. But what about, you know, the bottlenecks of uh, chips and the profitability mentioned by uh, William just now? You know, many Chinese EV makers, um, including Xpeng, Neo, and the Li Auto, have been in losses worth hundreds of millions of dollars so far. Would, would that be a big concern for their future development, uh, William? 
Well, I, I think the, the chip question uh, is less sensitive for this sector than most other sectors because the kind of chips that are used in EV production are fairly mundane and, and not cutting edge uh, chips. Uh, they are used in the AI part, but the AI you know is now separate from the electric vehicle production. So so right now there, there really is no bottleneck in terms of chip sanctions or, or things like that. I think the EV industry is able to get as much as uh, can be manufactured and there's no restriction on, on the, those chips. But the real uh, intellectual capital that is being protected uh, would be in the company's own production like Tesla's Gigafactories, but also I think in this integration, in this AI integration market. And that's where we have not yet set the rules uh, in any country for how to protect those properties. Then what about a rivalry from uh, um, Chinese makers' competitors, such as, uh, you know, uh, Japanese automakers like uh, Toyota? I think everybody already knew that Toyota is planning to uh, introduce an EV powered by a solid state battery that would have a range of nearly 1200 kilometers and a charge <laughs> time of uh, only 10 minutes. Would that be a big threat to uh, Chinese EV mar- makers? Well, I, I have to say I'm from I I, I don't want to say I'm from Missouri and you know, show me, but you know, I've heard a lot of promises about this uh, so-called newfangled battery technology, and right. no one's yet produced it yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly I agree with William because I'm still also working on these uh, different types of batteries, mm-hmm. so it's uh, very difficult, uh, you know, to see that uh, the solid-state battery will play a a, a major role in like uh, I say like the near future. It's a very difficult technology actually. So now people are talking about uh, semi-solid state, right? So you need to add some soft, you know, liquid, so, you know, electrolytes in the in the battery. So I think that uh, you know Toyota, I think uh, they are working on the solid state battery. Everyone knows, and uh, they are also uh, leading the fuel cell. Actually, I have been working at the United Technology uh, for six years, and I was the technical fellow in the company by actually leading the collaboration with Toyota to develop uh, their fuel cell vehicles <laughs> for their V-Ride. Everyone knows, right? I think uh, uh, Toyota is actually either you know on the fuel cell side or on the battery side. They still actually have strong capability of making EVs. So if they want to go to the market, I think they can do it in a way quicker way. Uh, so I think uh, you know those traditional automakers are still a very uh, serious uh, competitor for the Chinese uh, EV makers. So mm-hmm. even now they probably the share is no, but uh, once the they decide to do it, I think uh, they are able to do it. All right. Uh, Andy, I think you were, you were about to say something just now. Sure. Yeah, I'm less sure. I mean, you know, obviously there's some uh, enormous game-changing technology that could matter. Mm. But we also have to recognize that um, vehicles, consumer vehicles, uh, are not purely utilitarian, right? People don't buy them because they're the cheapest or they get them you know, the fastest from point A to point B, Mm. but they also fulfill powerful emotional and ego needs as well. So I think the branding will be very, very important. Again, when we think of some of the iconic auto brands like Rolls-Royce, you know, these uh, Range Rover, they have enormous emotional resonance. And that we have to, I think that this is actually where the real battle will be fought. Mm. And that these companies are losing money today uh, is expected. Because again, you know, in the venture capital world, people talk about the J curve, right? Mm. You have to lose a lot of money in the beginning to make a lot of money in the future. And I doubt that this is going to be an enormous market. What is unclear is uh, which of these companies will win. Mm. Indeed. And the last couple of questions. Actually, you've touched upon this a little bit um, earlier in the show, but both European and U.S. industry insiders and media have sounded the alarm over 
Chinese EV makers' growing influence. Insurance company Allianz Trade has said in a May report, China-made EVs pose the greatest risk to Europe's car makers and could cost them over seven billion U.S. dollars a year in lost profits by 2030. Well, this kind of scenario seems、um, a bit familiar. So some people are asking whether China-made EVs may face protectionism going forward. Your interpretation of this,、um, William, please. Well, the history of、um, new entrants into a market is、uh, in the United States was the Japanese came in with these very cheap manufactured vehicles, and Chevy,、uh, rather、uh, GM and Ford, both said we don't make much money on those in that market segment. We're going to give it to the Japanese,、mm-hmm. and eventually, Japanese started taking over more and more market segments and started to go into the places where the manufacturers actually made a lot of money—the、exactly. trucks and the luxury vehicles.、Mm-hmm. I think we're finding that same example,、uh, the fears of that happening in Europe as well, and and, and less so in the United States because, as I said, the EVs just hasn't taken off here enough to. Make people worry,、mm. uh, but in the Europe, the key is whether, as Andy said, the luxury name brands that evoke these emotional reactions, whether these companies are able to hang on to that same emotional appeal.、Uh, that that、uh, you know, if they were to go into business with BYD and produce an electric vehicle, will that vehicle give the the Lotus buyer right the、mm. same kind of feel? That they would from an internal combustion Lotus. So the, right now, I think the restrictions are being put in place because of a fear that the Chinese market will take over the the cheap segments,、right. um, which give a lot of jobs. But I think the key to the profitability of these companies would be in these big luxury brand names and also the the truck industry.、Mm. Yeah, if it's just some anti-dumping measures, probably China made EVs can stand with, but. If it's some sanctions like what the U.S. and Europe、uh, did to Huawei, you know, Andy, would that happen? And、uh, if that happens, can Chinese、um, EV makers handle it? Well, this is a very difficult question because some people are saying that you know the real impact here will be、uh, on Europe and that this will be、uh, a second "quote unquote" China shock.、Mm. Uh, and the reason for this is that. Germany is the economic cornerstone of Europe, and the automotive industry in Germany is the cornerstone of the German economy.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, in a way, you know, the increasing competitiveness of the Chinese EV sector is really not deliberately, but targeting the most important part of the European economy. But on the other hand, Europeans are especially committed. To environmental sustainability, so I think this is going to be a very, very painful issue for them to work through. Because on the one hand, of course, you know China's creating, delivering, cost-effective, desirable, environmentally sustainable vehicles, but it's also a shock to important sectors of the industrial economy、mm. in Europe. So I think that's going to be very, very difficult. It's certainly possible that、uh, some in Europe will see national security implications to this. You know, we all know that、uh, countries around the world are increasingly defining national security in broader terms than just military,、mm-hmm. but also economic security as well. So I think we have to see. This is, I think, going to be、uh, a very fraught issue in the next few years. And、uh, Minghao, your observation there? 
Yeah, I actually I also agree with Andy, right? Because um, uh, it's very difficult to judge, you know, whether this will be a national security issue or not for the electric vehicles. Mm. And because for Huawei, is actually the excuse is that you know it's a, it's about national security, right? So, yeah, I, I personally believe that uh, now that uh, you know China China you know, keep uh, you know developing this uh, new technology on the batteries. Uh, I will keep as a leading position. I don't think that uh, we have a bigger issue on the losing this uh, the market or uh, are banned by other governments. Well, the battery is a key, right? So every chemical have to use a battery. Yeah, yeah that's true. And uh, last question: How do you expect the landscape of the global EV market to look like in the coming decade? Of course, without the you know uh, interference of uh, other factors. But we will start with Minghao. Yeah, I think uh, I mean the, the the EV, you know, is a, in the future probably not only being the vehicle. Maybe it can be a a center of actually uh, innovation technologies, right? We are talking about uh, autonomous driving. Say in the future, like uh, you know, maybe in ten years, uh, autonomous driving already matured, right? So that uh, will be a a big boost for the virtual vehicles, and especially I think uh, you know maybe start uh, even in China. I, I know that uh, in Shenzhen there are certain area actually. There are a lot of for this uh, EVs actually, you know, doing this automotive driving testing. So I believe that um, maybe in the future, lots of uh, Americans also will open the door to the global, you know, EV manufacturers. So that's a, at this moment, then there will be a real global, you know, competition going on, right? Not now, not only just uh, you know Chinese uh, EV manufacturer. The only I think this now is the show that it really is their zero show now. So if this will be a global competition, that would be very nice. But that's a, it's just as a Mahai imagination, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy. Well, I, you know, I, again, I think that we we have to look at the EV industry, and then the automotive market globally. Yeah. Um, I think looking at the EV industry certainly easier to predict that. I think Chinese companies already are very strongly positioned. That's likely to, to continue. Um, the big question, though, is there's uh, enormous demand for a transition away from internal combustion engine vehicles, but uh, we also know that in many countries around the world, it can be enormously difficult to fund and implement the mm-hmm. infrastructure for yeah. this. So I think that is a question mark that certainly will be very, very important to to China、uh, can help them with this. Watching. <laughs> Right. I mean,、uh, China is actually already helping some African countries with、uh, their electric、uh, charging station, right? Yes, absolutely. And last but not least, William, please. <laughs> I think the landscape of the、um, the electric vehicle industry is going to take lessons from what's been learned from the Japanese and European manufacturers、mm. here in the United States. They knew that the best way to be accepted in another country is to Employ more people and produce more stuff there. So, so what the Japanese and, and Europeans have done is to move a lot of their production plants into the United States.、Uh, they populated the South and Tennessee and, and, and many many other states that are not in, dominated by the domestic manufacturers.、Mm-hmm. And I think the the Chinese companies will learn to do that in Europe and maybe even eventually here in the United States, where they will manufacture using the advanced technologies they developed in China here in the United States, employ American workers.
European workers. That'll obviate and, and relieve any anxiety about losing jobs to foreign manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, th- in that way, they will also be able to gain more market share, just as Toyota has. Because right now, you know, Toyota and BMW produce more cars in the United States, Canada, Mexico than they do uh, exporting from, from Japan. And that, I think, is the secret to success. And I think that will be replicated by the Chinese manufacturers around the world. Fair enough. And with that, we come to the end of our chat. Many thanks to William Lee, Chief Economist at the U.S.-based Milken Institute, Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and Minghua Xiao, Chair Professor and Director of the Energy Institute, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, for your insights. The show is available on all major podcast platforms. If you got anything to say about the topic or the show, feel free to tell us. Just drop us an email at radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. We'll have more chat next week.